So, Dean, it's good to see you again. We uh, were talking yesterday, but you got pulled away, so we can go back and start talking where we were. Today, though, you've mentioned a new word. You're uh, using the word headache. And you're also wanting it to go away. Now, the first question to ask is, I think we've kind of covered this already, but to make sure you're you're saying that these headaches are new, that you've never had headaches before in your life until you start practicing what you're calling meditation. No, and I have been practicing meditation for a, a good many years. It, it started when I first started. I know you don't like using the J word, but when I first started to gladden my mind, my first time experiencing the jhanas, that's when these headaches started. So did I activate something that I shouldn't have? The answer is no. In fact, what actually is happening right now is you're absolutely, totally confused about what is jhana. Jhana does not cause uh, tensions, anxieties, the jhana is the release and the relief from tensions and anxieties. So whatever you were practicing, calling it meditation, let's, let's look at that. What was the difference? What are you doing now that you're calling jhana practice that you were not doing before? Let's do some investigation here. Okay. Well, the meditation that I used to was only pure concentration. Well, that then, will give people headaches. Concentration gives okay. people headaches. Yeah, yeah. but the, the new practice was adding in the wholesome thoughts, like it's happy, oh, it's great to have a deep, satisfying breath, etc., etc. Those thoughts do not cause headaches. Okay. Okay. That if a husband comes into the house and um, <clears throat> starts saying nice, sweet things to the wife, she's unlikely to have a headache. But if he comes in and yelling and fussing at her and telling her that she's got to do this, that, and the other thing, it's more possible for her to develop a headache. Right. Okay. So you, you see that so you can begin that. to understand for sure that having wholesome, positive thoughts do not cause headaches. Yep. Um. Something else is causing the headaches. OK, well, yesterday, because I'm trying to go look at every avenue. So yesterday I went and got my neck. And my shoulders rubbed to, to like, because you mentioned it could be a tight, a stiff neck. So I'm hoping that might help. But I'm going to look at every avenue to see can I okay. fix it. It's important to me that I fix it because I really have experienced joy for the first time ever, I think. Okay. Ah. When you say that, that's kind of a hint. You're saying that you've never had joy before, so perhaps uh, the headache then is the punishment for having joy, because you're not supposed to have joy. You've never had joy before. I no, not like I've done. Not the only joy for me, Demarato, was excitement about going off to. A, a party and drinking booze. Right. <laughs> that was my joy. I, I don't think my front free, my prefrontal cortex, cortex was ever activated. Okay. As a All child. right. For one thing, we can say for sure, and that is anticipation and excitement is not joy. It's the expectations of getting something, yeah. not getting it. 
And in fact, that's very uh, common in uh, Western society that people substitute anticipation, uh, pursuit, uh, exhilaration, uh, excitement, and that kind of thing. That's what we, uh, our society promotes. And we were confused to think that that is the goal or that's the fulfillment or this the excitement actually you can say that the real joy comes from not running and and uh running towards the goal uh and being ahead of others that the actual joy is in the winning after the race is over Okay, and so basically um, we need to start looking at how for you to stop being impatient and just allow joy for what's already happening rather than anticipating something that will bring joy. In other words, we're looking at being comfortable and happy, contented, right now and joyful contented happiness right now does not cause headaches but anticipation and wanting something does often create headaches so you're doing something more than the practice because you're adding something into it and that um possibly it's thoughts of oh, this is too much work, or you should not be feeling this good, or things like that. I'm not really sure yet. We're still during the investigation. But one of the things that we know, and that is, is that you spend a lot of time in uh, fear, anxiety, uh, anticipation of problems. I can see the way that your eyes are darting around the room now, that you're kind of expecting something bad to happen. Well, I am in work, so I suppose I am keeping a small bit vigilant, but anywho, yeah. Right, that's the whole point. Look at that vigilance that you have, because that vigilance that you have is anxiety, that you're expecting something to go wrong. Okay, so let's look at it now from a, a slightly different angle. And that is, can you right now, spontaneously while we're talking, never mind whether people are coming into the room or not, can you create that headache? Can you make it happen? Now, instead of asking me the question, why should I want to do that? Because I don't want to have the headaches. The answer is, we're going to learn to control them. And one of the ways of controlling a headache is by creating it. So can you create that headache? Do you know what to do that will create a headache? <laughs> well, I know when I was meditating, it's not so much when I'm actually meditating. It's when I finish the meditation. I think. All right. And sometimes when I'm even trying to be in the present moment, that can bring it on as well. And I wouldn't even really call them headaches, so to speak. They're more like just uncomfortable sensations, like a vice can be touching or squeezing my head. And it's different sensations, but they are it's like subtle headaches as well, I suppose. Could we use the word pressure? You could use pressure, but it changes from pressure as well. Like there's times when it comes at the top of my head around here and it feels like that someone is fucking touching my my brain with a tweezers or something but it's not that sore but it is uncomfortable if that makes sense and okay. then the following day it might come more down around the front around nearly my forehead where and it's there's no sensa sensation up here all right well you look like that you've been investigating and inspecting it some 
but one of the things that you're talking about or the language that you're using is the language of that the best thing that you can do is sort of chase it around that it's on its own and it does what it wants to do and you're merely the victim of it and what we're looking at here is to change that attitude that you're not a victim of these sensations you're the cause of them you're the one who is creating them they're not happening to you you're doing it that's a hard lesson for most of us to learn about all kinds of things because we think that we're a victim to our uh, environment rather than the creator of it that's that's actually a good thing to hear because that might mean that I am able to fix it. Uh, well, you can learn to control it. That's the whole point is, is that when you begin to see what you were doing that does that, then you have a choice over to whether you're going to do that or not. Okay. okay. You're still seeing that there is something wrong. You're using the word like fix. Yeah. Right. I have to turn a big hindrance now at this stage. Uh huh. Well, that's the whole point is that you're making it a hindrance because you don't like it. Okay, and being in a state of not liking is not jhana. It's got nowhere near jhana. Jhana is getting yourself into a state of liking, and you don't like what's happening in the sensations of of the head. I the the jhanas now were two weeks ago, but and I've only noticed these pains coming on. I I feel like I was getting the jhanas early on in the day and lunchtime. But I feel like when I was coming out of the jhanas in the evening time, that's when I started to notice these sensations and headaches, if that's what they are. Well, when you say going into and coming out of the jhanas, I think that you and I have a completely different definition of the word jhana. The, The definition that I'm using is the one that's in the suttas that's well spelled out well documented and the term that you're using is let us call it the reddit version of jhana okay yeah well whatever it was it was was pretty nice and it was it was positive thoughts and positive words one after the other one after the other and it was all right feeling well let's go for that for a moment then and look at it from that direction and so after you feel good for a while you decide that you don't want to feel good anymore and so you give yourself a headache is that what what happens no no i i i was wondering i i'm not too sure did i just start feeling the headache and was that what brought me out of the janas uh because I was thinking because Let us I never... say for someone who is experienced at jhana, the answer would be no. Okay. Yeah. For someone who is just beginning to play with jhana, the answer is, is that anything that you want to name will bring you out of jhana. Just okay. by naming it. See, what I was thinking, and I just might make no sense, it, it was a feeling I never had, a great, nice feeling. Uh, so I don't think I've ever used that part of my brain before. The nurturing well, part should have been I, nurtured. I, so, I, would, I would not speak in those terms. Okay. They're because the neuroscientists, the more they know about it, they recognize that the brain is all interconnected. All right, so when you're saying you're using a part of the brain that you've never used before, that's not possible. Okay. I thought I heard you mention that's not not the way the brain works. Okay. 
What you are doing, though, is that you're beginning to change your thought pattern. By giving yourself wholesome thoughts, OK, so well, what we're leading up to is, is that when you do have the headache and you do experience the headache while you're doing that, you're not having wholesome thoughts then. That's all, that's true. That's where we can come from then. OK, so if you uh, can find out what it is or what kind of thoughts that you can have that creates a headache then you can avoid them. But we also know that if you are practicing correctly and getting yourself into a very good state, then the time to do that was not earlier in the day. The time to do that is right now when you're experiencing the unwholesome sensations. In other words, you are actually talking yourself into feeling bad because you don't like the sensations in the head. What we can do instead is learn to play with those sensations in the head. Words that we've used like pressure and tweezers and um, headaches, whatever it is, ever how you label it, you're labeling it in a way of not liking it. You're in a state of dissatisfaction. Yep. So what we need to do is to in that moment while you're having the headache, instead of having thoughts of not liking it and wanting it to go away, we can have thoughts like, oh, this is there's nothing to it. I can handle this. This is just passing away. I can handle this. In other okay. words, we begin to change our attitude. The attitude is, is that you can do this. You can handle it. I mean, even though you've uh, had um, headaches just recently, let us say in the past several weeks, those headaches haven't killed you yet. They haven't. And I, I don't mind. I can take pain. But what I'm worried about is that my that I don't do any damage to my brain, if that makes sense. So I'll take all the Worrying. Pain is damage to the brain. Worrying does damage the brain. Okay. And so when you say you're worried about damaging the brain, it's not the ten, uh, the sensations in the mind or in the brain that's going to damage the brain. It's worrying about it that's going to damage the brain. That in fact, it's the worrying about it that probably keeps the tensions going. Maybe, maybe, maybe I tell me this, Damaretto. Have you or Buddhadasa ever prescribed another technique to somebody that you were training or teaching? And when I say technique, I don't mean a different type of technique as an or like a different type of meditation. I mean, like maybe self inquiry or something like that. Like, should I be thinking about a plan B if this is going to? keep happening oh well in that case if happy uh wholesome thoughts is the practice and you're wanting an alternate practice <laughs> then the only alternate practice would be going back into having unwholesome thoughts which is what you're already having when you're having the tension and the headaches and the pressure and the tweezers and all of that kind of stuff Whatever is going on, you don't like it. You don't like the sensations in the head and you're worried about them. Yes, yes, 100%. Okay, that's what we need to start working on is to change that. This is what would be, be then to start practicing at the right time. And the right time is when you need it the most. And clearly this is a time that you need to practice. And so when you're asking for an alternative practice, what alternative is there to wholesome thoughts? Or unwholesome thoughts? And so, no, I would not recommend that. In fact, that's what you're doing. I would recommend that you make a change 
and that the change that you want to make too is to begin to have wholesome thoughts about the tensions. Okay. Now, my fiance, um, she has no experience in meditation, but when I'm meditating, she often says to me, that Dean, your breathing is wrong. Now, she has no experience in meditation, but like, you can hear me breathing when I'm breathing. When you're doing Anapanasati correctly, should you nearly be making, should you be very quiet? Whereas you can really hear me. Like I'd be I like, would say that would be irrelevant. Okay, so it's not okay. that good. In the sense that sometimes it, it's a good idea to take breaths that are deep enough so that they can be heard. And so there's no no problem or uh, with that at all. Okay, and I, I, I look. I and, listen, and we're not talking about a, a, the sound of the breathing anyway. We're talking about headaches and tensions and tweezers and pressure. Okay. Okay. And so, if you would go back to the breathing, when you have that tension and pressure, you see, when you're having the tension and pressure, you're thinking about the tension and the pressure. You're not doing Anapanasati right then. Okay. Are you? No, you're worried about yeah. headaches yeah. giving brain damage. Something okay. like that, yes. Worrying about uh, headaches giving brain damage is not wholesome. Now, is it? No. It's not. Okay, so that's the point in time. See, one of the things that you're making a mistake on is understanding, let us say, the distinction between formal and informal practice. And what we want to do, uh, uh, let us say, um, an ordinary student, as he begins, he understands it only in the sense of a formal practice. But if he is gaining good results, then he's going to start living his life and start doing out in the world or in this present moment or wherever he is or whatever he's doing, he's going to start doing what he was doing correctly in the formal practice, and he's going to be doing it more or less spontaneously. This would then be called an informal practice. And that's what you need to start addressing. A lot of people think the only meditation that there is is a formal practice. And the answer to that is no, the formal practice is to get you ready for the informal practice. Another way of talking about it is like with music, that a beginner has to practice music but when he gets ready, he goes out on stage and performs at a, at a recital or uh, spontaneously, or he goes busking or something like that to where he's actually playing in public. But what he's doing is, is he's using the benefits of all the practice that he had when he was in private. Okay. So this is how we have to look at it. It's not that during the day I was feeling really good because I was formally practicing and gotten some benefits. That's not the question. The question is later when you're having head tensions, you're having thoughts about head tensions, you worried, you don't like it, you're thinking that you're going to do some damage, and that's the point in time when you need to do Anapanasati. Well, the times I was getting some sex stammer or some su some success, I was a lot of my practice wasn't just formal or it wasn't. Yeah, I, I was practicing throughout my day as well. When I was cooking, when I was walking, when I was driving the car, every I was practicing mm -hmm. all the time. A better way of talking about it is when you remembered. OK, yep. Practice yep. when you remember. So now when your uh, when your head is hurting or when you have sensations or tweezers or a headache or pressure, you forget to practice right then and there. 
When okay, in fact, yeah. that's the time to remember to practice because that's the time that you need it. You may not need it so much when you're driving or when you're in a taxi or when this, that, and the other things that have happened because it's easy to remember it then. What we know, what we want to do is develop the skill so that we can remember to practice when we need it the most. Okay. And but this is a time when you really need to practice and you're not practicing. When, when, I, when this stuff was happening bad, I mean the sensations, there was one morning I woke up at about 6 a.m. and I felt like the front of my head in there, in my, my prefrontal cortex, I felt like it was on fire. Now, I was able to go back to sleep and when I woke up, it was it was okay again. So like, what does that what does that mean? It, it, I couldn't have been causing it then if I if I was asleep. You're worried again, and you're asking worried questions now. Okay, understand that that you're at, you're still asking worried questions because you still don't like it and you're trying to get rid of it and you're afraid it is going to cause some damage right right so you're worried now now is the time then to practice anapanasati right now why and how are we going to do that oh well that tension that i had the other morning went away is it that nice it didn't stay it okay. left it went away not only that but it went away so that i could go to sleep i did go to sleep so you need to start congratulating yourself for what does happen correctly rather than niggling and hassling yourself for the things that you still don't like all right this is a long process because there's a whole lot of stuff that you've already decided that you don't like and a whole long list of things that you don't have, but that you do like them and you want them. So uh, much of self-discovery, if we want to use that kind of language, is the discovery of what you don't like and what you like. Because if you can see what you don't like and see what you like, now you have a choice about it. Because you're, you're, if you spend your life wanting things, then you will spend your life wanting things that you don't have because you can't get what you want. The reason that you want it is because you can't have it. It doesn't matter how wealthy, how rich, how many servants or whatever you have. You've, you've seen people like that that the more they have, the more they want. And they get easily frustrated because they can't get what they want immediately right now. Right? So what we need to do is to start practicing by recognizing during the day when we need it most, when we're in a state of want, when we're in a state of liking and not liking. This okay. is what we need to wake up to is to wake up to the fact that you don't like those sensations in the head and because you don't like them you're doing things that continue to keep them strong and going the same thing is true with anxiety if someone has anxiety and they don't like that anxiety they're going to be creating hormones and chemicals in the body that's going to keep the anxiety going but if they can come to the point of saying, oh, that's OK, the anxiety is not so much I can handle it. Let me take a deep breath and start playing with the anxiety. And by playing with the anxiety, it's not so much. If it's something that we want to resist and we hate, it's actually going to get bigger. OK, yeah. I, I heard you mention yesterday that my facial expressions and my forehead is it seem it looks tense or tight uh-huh yeah so yeah, what you're knitting your brows right now too and now you're raising your forehead and i can see all of those wrinkles that you're creating so how can you actually soften the face and start paying attention to what you're doing with the face do you know that you have two deep creases right here 
where you're uh, knitting and pushing the brow together. I see them, yeah. Yeah, okay. So now that you can see them, can you feel them? Okay, so when you raise your eyebrows like that, so we need to learn to play with that, to experience it, to feel it. Can you feel it when you're knitting your brow? Not really. All right, pay attention to that. Start feeling it. That in fact, you could say then that it's quite possible. I'm not saying for sure, but it's quite possible that knitting your brow and getting your brow all tensed and tightened up is what's part of the whole thing that you're doing with your head that's causing head tensions. And you've never noticed this before. Maybe. I, I would imagine now that we're talking, because in the beginning you presented it as this is new stuff. But I'm beginning to think otherwise. I'm beginning to see that this tension is really old, but that you didn't know that it was there until you practice to get, uh, in the sense of feeling good and, and getting some results out of the meditation. And then when you stop meditating, you go back to the ordinary, but now that ordinary looks strange. Okay. But that. But it was already there. I would suggest that the tensions and that you have in your head is an old familiar thing. But you're not familiar with it because you haven't seen it much before because it was so familiar that it was part of the um, uh, uh, background, I guess, or part of the um, uh, part of the house. It's almost like this, that if if you have a door that goes from one room to the other. And every time while walking around the house, you go through that doorway and you don't ever think about going through that doorway. But then sometimes the door is going to be locked. And when the door is locked, you can't go through. So now you know about the doorway. So now you'll be paying more attention to the fact that you've moved from one state to the other. Okay, okay, so that may be what's happening is is that you're you've just moved into a new room of peace, contentment, and happiness. And now when you go back to your ordinary state, you don't like it a bit. And you're lose, using all kinds of language to describe the fact that you don't like it what it was like. Okay. And so this is the whole point of the practice is is to remember that if you've gotten yourself into a state of not liking. That's the moment of time when you need to practice Anapanasati. Okay. That's when you need to practice it in the sense of having wholesome thoughts about that tension. Oh, I can handle that tension. Oh, there's nothing to it. Oh, let me just play with relaxing it. Can I relax this part of my face? Can I relax that part of my face? Okay. It's very interesting, and I wanted to come back to that, that when I talked about... Um, finding out where the tensions were in in your body you decided to go to a masseuse or to another person to have a massage right that other person is not regardless of how expert they are you're going to know where your tensions are better from the inside than they're going to know from the outside that all they could do is feel the tense muscles with their hands you are the tense muscles so you don't need someone else to point out where your attention is. You can go figure that out for yourself. And you could do it with the idea of going in and systematically relaxing. Systematically relax this side. And then systematically relax this side. And then systematically relax the back of the head. And then systematically relax this part. And go around relaxing this, that, and the other thing. And the next time you go back in that cycle, you'll say, oh, well, there's not so much tension here right now. Then you go over here, oh, there's not so much tension here either. And so you start moving around. Now, this technique that I'm giving you here is really nothing but step three of Anapanasati, of getting to know the body, becoming familiar with the body, learning how the breathing. Most people have... Um, uh, tensions in their in their chest area, but you've got it 
kind of focus in the head. And so that means that we need to work with you spending time with uh, experiencing your neck, your head, relaxing your jaw, uh, opening your ears, um, relaxing the face, playing with those kind of things. All right, right. I, I look. Do you mind if I move on to another question? Okay. Uh, I, I've, uh, I, I've took most of that in, and plus I'll have the video as well. So I've heard you mention that monks who have lived, who've had no formal meditation practice, who are living in the sangha, and maybe after about ten or twenty years without any formal practice, actually have become nobles themselves. Mm -hmm. How was this, Damarato, and what, what was the actions and attitudes that they would have carried or been around that made that possible? Okay. Let us say that there is two ways to get wet. One of them is to uh, go out into the yard and wait for it to rain. Okay. And another way is to just jump in the water. So the meditation I'm thinking is jumping in the water and the, pra the formal practice is jumping in the water. Well, what we're talking about here with these monks is, is that they are in the Sangha. They're in the water. Where Western meditators, they go off on their own without any guidance or anything, just kind of hoping that it'll rain on them. That's Western Buddhism for you. Okay, to where if you are around, you're... go ahead. I just, just someone coming in there now. Sorry about that. You don't have to tell me. Don't worry about it. You pay attention to me and we'll finish. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. I can wait. Don't be sorry. They're going to come in and they're coming in now and they have to do a bit of work in the office that I'm working in. So well, I, I'm in the time. There I, I already know. It would be possibly be good if you call me a little earlier so that you we could have more time together but anyway let's go back to the question that you that you had and that is is that um if if you if someone lives with a den of thieves he starts thinking like a thief if you live in a town in the southern united states full of racist Republicans, 
then you'll start thinking like a racist Republican. You actually begin to think about and act like the people who were around you. This is instinctual. We are society animals, but we do have intelligence enough that we can choose who we're going to associate with. And if you're associating with wholesome people, if you're associating associating with honorable, noble people and everything you hear from those folks, which is all you ever hear, because that's who you're associating with, is wholesome things, then you will begin to have more wholesome thoughts yourself. That's just a natural process. And is it possible for somebody to do that who is not living in the Sangha? No. 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 Okay. There you're going to have to either find a Sangha to join or to hoof it on your own, knowing that all the input that you get from everyone around you is suspect, suspicious, and probably unwholesome. Okay. So you're going to have to deal with a lot of unwholesome input in your life. The question is, do you have the skills developed to remember to practice correctly when you're having to deal with unwholesome things? The answer is right now, no, you can't because you can't deal with a sensation in your own skull in a wholesome way. So. If somebody, if the cops come in and want to handcuff you, you probably won't handle that in a wholesome way either. I couldn't even handle my girlfriend in a, in a wholesome way this morning when I was leaving the house, so yeah, you're right. Okay, so that's the whole point about living in a sangha is when everybody around you is acting in a wholesome way and having wholesome thoughts and that's all you hear, that's going to have a major influence on you. And when you start thinking like they do, then you become one of the nobles yourself. But that's rare. That doesn't happen for Westerners because you don't have a local te Buddhist temple that you can just go hang out in and, and uh, spend your day with the monks. You don't have that. You're living and spending your time with ordinary people. So that means that you've got to put in some extra practice. Okay. To get your mind in a wholesome state. And the time for you to practice getting the mind in a wholesome state is when you can see that it's not in a wholesome state. That's the wake up call is to wake up and see the mind is not in a wholesome state. Now we've got to take the effort to get it into a wholesome state. Okay. And you're not doing that. Why? Because you're worried about pressure and tension and headaches and whatever descriptive language that you want to use. In fact, the more language that you have to, to use, all of which are negative, the worse you're going to feel about it. So it's better to start using words like tickle, an itch, a sensation. Okay, make light of it because it really is light. It's not heavy. You're the one who's making it heavy because you're worried about it. Is there any other techniques that you can use to purify your mind from the likes of Khaleesa's other than the meditation? When you understand that meditation is not a technique, that in fact, I don't even like to use the word meditation because the word meditation doesn't appear anywhere in the suttas. That's a Western word for a Western practice. And in that regard, because there's a whole lot of variety with it, some of which is wholesome and some of it is not wholesome, you're asking the wrong question when you're asking about a new technique. That in fact, some people say, oh, well, Anapanasati is different from metta meditation. And the answer is no. That when your metta meditation is a wholesome metta meditation, 
it is wholesome with wholesome thoughts. And it is possible to practice uh, uh, what one would call a meta meditation that is actually unwholesome and is not beneficial. So what we're looking for now is making the distinction between various kinds of practices that you're looking for a new technique or something new to practice. That's like um, there are some athletes that can easily move from sport to sport. Many musicians play more than one musical instrument, but they didn't learn to play one musical instrument by practicing three minutes on this one and two minutes on that one and one minute on that one over there and keep going back around. They're not going to learn anything. No, you have to practice one musical instrument to get some good sound out of it. And so if the student is practicing and getting good sound, he's practicing correctly. And if he's practicing and getting noise out of it, he's not practicing correctly. And it doesn't matter what musical instrument he's playing. And so you're looking for various techniques. It's like asking, well, should I change from the tuba to the trombone? The answer to that is it doesn't matter what musical instrument you're playing. If you're playing it incorrectly, you're not going to get any value out of it. OK, well, is there any advice you can give me to purify my mind? Or is it the only thing Remember I to do it. That's the whole point. Yes, that's the teaching. Sati has to be practiced so that you remember to remember when you need to remember. And one time that you really need to remember to practice correctly is when you're having worries about tensions in the head. That's the time that you have to remember to practice correctly. I've heard you, I've heard you mentioned Damarato, and I think you have said it's kind of something that they say in Zen that there's no need to worry, just relax. You're already enlightened. Have I heard you saying that? Sure, that's yeah. because that would, would you agree with that statement? I would not only agree with it, I would make sure every student hears it and understands it correctly. Well, if that's the case, you have heard it but you don't understand it correctly. Like, if that's the case, then is it possible to, to contemplate your way into nobility? That's the only way to do it. If you mean contemplation is having wholesome thoughts. Okay. You can contemplate robbing a bank. You can contemplate drowning your sister in the swimming pool. You can contemplate all kinds of unwholesome things. So contemplation is not necessarily the, the point. In fact, uh, uh, contemplation is what most people do with uh, meditation. That in fact, the old days, the Christian meditations is doing things like contemplating the Trinity or contemplating compassion or contemplating some concept. So uh, if you can, in fact, contemplate the wholesome, that's in fact the way that we're practicing now is to remember to have wholesome thoughts, wholesome thoughts about your head, wholesome thoughts about your body. Go ahead. No, like, is it true when people like people who have become noble, their first initial awakening, is it only a little tiny shift in perception? Everything is a little tiny. Everything is a little tiny. Western mentality is broken with the idea that things are events, event oriented. Events like elections and voting, events like graduation ceremonies, events like uh, marriage ceremonies and things like this. So that the child who is in the first grade, why do he says, why do I have to learn the ABCs? The answer to that is so you can learn to read. And the I says, well, so what? What's the point of learning to read? And then the teacher will say, so you can graduate from the first grade. Well, so what if I graduate from the first grade? Then what? 
And eventually we get into graduation from college. You see graduation again as an event. Okay. We need to get the, uh, the, the change out of event oriented into process oriented. Everything is a little dab will do you. A little dab now and a little dab now and a little dab now. Everything is process. There's not an event. Things are up and down. Sometimes you feel good, sometimes you don't. Basically, you feel good when you're having wholesome thoughts. So you should remember to have wholesome thoughts. If you keep having wholesome thoughts, then you'll have one uh, wholesome moment after another. Okay. You're, you're really distracted right now. I am because I, I'm. The people are starting to come into the factory now, Damaretta. So ah, but they're not coming to talk to you. So why are you watching them? Because I have to. There's trucks coming in the gate, and I have to press the button to leave the truck. People in, I have to sign them in when they come in. I have to give them a parking permit and things like that. So. Okay. All right. Well, it would be better if we could uh, talk when you don't have to do that. It would be, it would be, and I'm going to talk. It'll be the, for the so the next time it will be a bit later when I call, and I'll be at home, and I'll pick your brains then. If that's okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. And look, thanks for taking the time out, and thanks. Uh, I'm sorry for keep having to cut the talks short. Okay, well, let's re rehash this one today in the sense of every time that you think about the tension in your head, that's the time to have wholesome thoughts, to remember to have them then rather than saying, oh, well, I had wholesome thoughts earlier today, but now I'm going to have worry and flurry and, and uh, uh, upsetness because I don't like the tensions and the sensations in the head. And so change them the words from from tension and pressure and headaches. We can start talking about it as being a tickle. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Just a tickle. You can handle a tickle. Yes, I can do it. I'm a fucking line. <laughs> okay. All right. So those are the wholesome thoughts, and it's just a tickle. I can handle this. Never mind. No problem. Cool. And start okay. having wholesome thoughts right then and there. Right. I'm going to try formulate uh, a few new questions. Hopefully, not about these sensations. And I and I hope to chat to you again soon. Okay. All right. We'll see you soon, Dean. Thanks very much. I'll see you later. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye.